welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill. I'm your host. Thanks for listening. Henry is on assignment. What's new, everybody? We are uh, at the, the tail end of August, which means summer is coming to a close, which even more importantly means that we are this much closer to being done with the dumpster fire that embarrasses even dumpster fires that is 2020. Wow, I couldn't even say 2020 without a little catch in my throat there. That's how bad this year has been. But despite all that, I hope that things are going as well as they can uh, for you wherever you're at. Things are okay here. Uh, The kids' start date for school has been pushed back a little. They should have already started school by the time this episode is going out, but they have not. They'll be starting sometime in September, and that will be lovely. It'll be a hybrid model, half in school, you know, the school building, half at home. I am fortunate in that I can work at home at least part of the time to kind of be hall monitor uh, and the kids are old enough that they can they are somewhat independent so I am more fortunate than a lot of parents right now so grateful for that you know what else I'm grateful for? Atari insert applause here not a lot of news this week because there's absolutely nothing going on in the world right now did get some feedback though Patreon supporter Michael Tyler, thanks by the way for that, Michael, reached out. If you would like to be a Patreon supporter like Michael, you can do that, and I will tell you later in the show how you can. But he had thoughts about Gravatar last week's game, and I will share those thoughts with you as soon as I can find them. Talk amongst yourselves. He commented, I was pretty good at video games growing up, but wow. Gravatar rolled over me like a redneck trucker every time I played it. I feel you, Michael. Uh, I'm sure I said last week that I don't remember really playing Gravatar as a kid, but it's a uh, you know it's a challenging game. So there, there's no shame, Michael, in admitting that you had trouble with this one. You know we're all here for you. We all appreciate your honesty. Also, because of the uh, enlightened age that we live in, I feel that I should mention that. We here at Atari Bytes recognize that all redneck truckers are not terrible drivers. We here at Atari Bytes also recognize, however, that we are out on the road a lot as a driver ourselves, ourself, whatever, and as the father of a new driver, and recognize that there are a lot of terrible drivers out there. So, on behalf of all uh, parents of new drivers, I would just like to say, knock it the hell off. Obey the traffic rules and watch out for my kid on the road. Thank you. And, Michael, thank you for the comment. If you'd like to reach out to us on the Patreon project, you can do that by becoming a subscriber to the Atari Bytes Patreon project at at, uh, patreon.com. And, of course, you can also reach out to us at any time at uh, atarybytes2016 at gmail.com and uh, through the various social medias. All right. Well, let's get on to this week's game. This week's game is... Parker Brothers brings the hottest video games home. It's James Bond in a deadly game of four land and sea battles based on the thrilling Bond movie classics. Survive, and you become the master spy, 007. And Gyrus, not from the arcade. Nothing moves like Gyrus. It's galactic warfare as you're attacked by enemy ships, meteors, and satellites in a relentless search for Earth. Gyrus and James Bond 007 for these video and home computer systems. Gyrus from Parter Brothers, 1983. I still have trouble. We've had Parter Brothers video games on the show before, but I still have trouble picturing it because when I think Parter Brothers, I really only think pretty much every board game I played 
growing up. Not video game, but board game. So it's hard for me to wrap my head around the idea of them making video games. But they did, including Jairus. Three billion miles is a long way from home, but there's no shorter route from outer Neptune to Earth. And as if that weren't enough, it's got to be a shootout all the way. You alone in your rapid-firing spaceship, swirling in a circular flight pattern, orbiting to the right, arcing to the left, trying to mow down wave after wave of enemy plane formations, rocketing meteors and runaway satellites, stops at Uranus, <laughs> Saturn, Jupiter, and Mars will mark your progression toward Earth. Each one's a short visit, though, then it's off again to the next planet and the next wave of enemies. Reach Earth in one piece and maybe you'll think twice about leaving home. Then again, maybe not. Alright, so we're playing with the joystick for this one. You have to turn the game on, which I always enjoy how the instruction manual tells us that. With the game select switch, choose a difficulty level. The easiest level is 1, the most difficult is 4, unlike last week at Gravatar where it went in the opposite direction, which is weird. Jairus gets it, right? The easiest level is 1. The number appears at the top of the screen. Each level gives you the option of playing with 3 spaceships or with 5 spaceships. The number of spaceships you choose is indicated by the symbols alongside the difficulty level number. I played on the flashback. I didn't really pay attention to any of that. I'm not even sure they offered that choice option. You just kind of jump in. To begin playing, press the fire button on the joystick controller. At any time during the game, you may press game reset to begin again at the same level. To change levels, press game reset, then game select. The joystick controls your spaceship's circular flight pattern through space. Simply move the joystick in a circular motion to do so. Press the fire button quickly to rapid fire your spaceship's ammunition. That's really all there is to this game, frankly. You spin in a circle and you shoot stuff. The object is to make the journey from beyond Neptune to the sanctuary of Earth, defeating enemy planes, avoiding meteors and satellites, and reaching interim planets along the way. I don't know why they start with Neptune. I guess because they thought Neptune was cool. I don't know. There are nine planets in the solar system. Well, there were then. Of course, Pluto has been demoted since uh, this manual was written. After you press the fire button to begin, the screen shows the number of remaining spaceships as well as the number of warps to go to before you reach your first stop, which is Neptune. Warps are described later. When the action starts, your spaceship appears at the bottom of the screen, your score at the top. In order to reach a planet, you must survive a given number of warps. A warp consists of four enemy plane formations and their regrouping as described. Each formation, enemy formations guard each planet en route to Earth to keep out alien visitors like yourself. Let's, let's uh, pause for a minute and talk about how all of the planets of the solar system in this universe are inhabited by aliens, and they all hate us. You know what? Actually, that doesn't, doesn't sound so far-fetched, given the current climate that we're in right now. Everyone on Earth hates us, hates each other. Uh, it's not so far-fetched to think that uh, people on other planets would hate us, too. All right, I'm on board. Proceed. In order to reach a planet, you must survive a given number of warps. A warp consists of four enemy plane formations, and their regrouping as described below. Enemy formations guard each planet and route to Earth to keep out alien visitors like yourself. It takes two warps to reach Neptune, and three warps to reach each of the subsequent planets. There will be a brief pause between each warp, at which time your spaceship travels toward its next encounter. It gives your hand a chance to uncramp, basically. Also at this time, the screen will flash the number of warps to go and the number of spaceships remaining. Enemy formations are made up of wing-shaped planes. Planes may emerge from the center of the screen where they may band together, or from far off screen where they can create a surprise attack. In either case, try to shoot down as many planes within the formation as you can, and don't let them hit your own ship. Planes fire square-shaped missiles. Your only option is to avoid them or be shot down. 
which doesn't really seem like an option to me, right? It's not like you choose, I'm going to let it shoot me. Each of the four enemy plane formations is a different color and flies in a different pattern. After the last formation appears, a certain number of planes not shot down will regroup in the center and attack again. They will continue to do so until you've eliminated the last one, unless of course one eliminates you first, exclamation point. But planes are not all you need to worry about. There are swirling and deadly satellites and meteors too. Satellites look like giant blue molecules, which is an odd comparison, but alright, and appear in threes. Try to shoot them down for points. Shoot the middle satellite and your ship will fire double bullets. The ship will continue to do so until it goes down. Meteors are a third type of enemy to watch out for. Meteors look like large rocks, because they are, and cannot be destroyed, so stay clear of them. Come out alive after completing the two or three warps necessary to reach a planet, and that planet appears on screen. After a brief breather, you'll enter the chance round, which to me is the dumbest, most pointless part of this game. Here we go. The chance round occurs upon reaching a planet. During this round, you get a chance to rack up points. One at a time, four different enemy plane formations will appear on screen. All capital letters now. But they have no power to destroy you. So position yourself for maximum firing accuracy. Bonus points are awarded for shooting down all the planes or satellites in the formation and super bonus points for wiping out all four formations. I don't get it. Are they worried that this game is too hard? That they felt like they needed to give you a chance to get bonus points so that you can reach that you know level to get another ship or something? I don't really understand the, the point of the chance round. Anyway, when the chance round is over, it's off to the next planet and the next barrage of formations. In case you need to be reminded, the planets along your journey through our solar system appear in this order. Neptune, Uranus, <laughs> Saturn, Jupiter, Mars, and Earth. The music, by the way, is Johann Sebastian Bach's Toccata and Fugue in D minor. The game ends when you lose your last spaceship, obviously. If you should reach Earth with at least one remaining spaceship, you'll continue the game with Neptune as the first stop once again, because life is a wheel, and you just live it out over and over and over again. I might have added that bleakness at the end. To play again, press the fire button. Press the game reset and game select to change the difficulty level. Scoring. All sorts of different scoring possibilities. Ranging from 100 points for an enemy plane, 100 points for uh, an enemy plane during the chance round as well, anywhere up to you know 2,500 for the fourth formation, 3,000 points, in the fifth chance round, 10,000 point bonus after you get all four formations. The game is basically a scoring machine, right? There's not a whole lot of strategy involved. I guess maybe there's a little bit, right? The thing about shooting the middle ship in the wave or something. But really, you're just moving in a circle shooting stuff. Yeah. So, that is how you play... What the hell is it called? That is how you play Gyrus from Parker Brothers, apparently. I'm not rich or famous. I'm not a movie star, rock icon, first responder, nurse, doctor, or anybody else whom we all look up to. I'm just a schnook. Just like Bill, I love to tell stories. Unlike Bill, though, I'm not creative enough to write my own, so I just tell my own real-life stories in this book-read-by-the-author-style podcast all about life lessons growing up and every episode a segment about music music that i love artists that i admire and sometimes even my own music 
You can find Autobiography of a Schnook on all your favorite podcast suppliers, or you can go to schnookpodcast.com. That's S-C-H-N-O-O-K podcast.com. And I firmly believe the good goes around, and I sincerely hope that Autobiography of a Schnook proves to be some good that goes around your way. Oh, by the way, fun fact, Gyrus, J-Y-R-U-S-S, is the Parker Brothers video game. Gyrus, J-Y-R-U-S, just one S, is a ridge on the cerebral cortex, generally surrounded by one or more sulci, which are depressions or pharaohs. Gyri and sulci create the folded appearance of the brain in humans and other mammals. So there you go, you learned something. Gyrus, with two S's, is a fixed-shooter arcade game designed by Yoshiki Akimoto and released by Konami in 1983. Initially licensed to Centuri in the United States for dedicated machines, before Konami released their own self-distributed conversion kits for the game. Parker Brothers released contemporary ports for home systems. An enhanced version for the family computer disk system was released in 88, which was released to the North American Nintendo Entertainment System in early 89. Wikipedia compares the gameplay to that of Galaga, which I can see. Although, I, frankly, I think Galaga is more fun. Gyrus is the second and last game Yoshiki Akimoto designed for Konami after Time Pilot, which I don't think I've played. Due to pay disputes, he was fired after the release of the game and soon joined Capcom, where he would write 1942 and produce Street Fighter II. The game's background music is an electronic up-tempo arrangement of J.S. Box, Takata, and Fugue in D minor, BWV-565. This particular track is similar to Takata, a rock arrangement by the UK-based instrumentalist group Sky. Gyrus uses stereo sound, which according to the bonus material for Konami Arcade Classics, was achieved by utilizing discrete audio circuits. In Japan, Game Machine listed Gyrus on their July 1, 1983 issue as being the 7th most successful table arcade unit of the year. VideoGameCritic.com gave the game a B grade. It looks pretty, but give Parker Brothers credit for even attempting to bring this graphically complex arcade hit to the 2600. Or rather, sorry, it isn't pretty, not it looks pretty. It's a very unique space shooter where you move a, a cannon around in a circle, a good deal of scaling and rotation involved, a tall order for most classic systems. The 2600 adaptation is played by Flickr, and the alien ships look like pixelated blobs. Unlike the arcade, you won't see many aliens on the screen. At once, six at most, and they don't settle into formations in the center of the screen, they just disappear. Despite mediocre visuals, this version still plays remarkably like its arcade cousin. No sound effects, but the music is some of the best you'll hear on the Atari 2600. I would agree with that. Jarvis is a bit on the easy side, so be sure to play it on the hardest skill level. Woodrain Wonderland comments you gotta give Parker Brothers credit. At a time when third-party developers were abandoning the, abandoning the video game industry in droves, Parker Brothers soldiered on through 84, releasing ports of then-cutting-edge arcade titles such as Star Wars The Arcade Game and Gyrus, as well as original games like Montezuma's Revenge. The results are as good as could ever be expected, and then some. They note the uh, limitations of the graphics, of course, and that the uh, music is surprising, a fine digital rendition of Boxed Cout and Fugue in D minor. This makes Gyrus easily one of the best-sounding games in the entire 2600 library. For a system that frequently causes even hardcore fans like myself to reach for the mute button, it's quite a feat. This classical piece leaves no room for other sound effects, but I don't think that's really a drawback. I kind of disagree. I talked about this in the field report, but I think that as much as I like the music, and it kind of puts you in a, a sort of a, a trippy zone, 
I kind of miss the laser sound effects and stuff. Jarvis makes up for a lack of graphic capability with a reasonable enough facsimile of the original gameplay. It is on the easy side, and for a meteor challenge, set the game to variation 3 or 4. I can't give Jairus an A for execution. It certainly deserves one for effort. B minus. 8-Bit Central comments, as I did, that given arguments over Pluto's status as a planet, it's interesting to note that Pluto was excluded from the game. Did the developers decide Pluto was just too damn far away to make for a believable single-ship mission? Perhaps they knew that Pluto would be dismissed as a real planet. Parker Brothers Jairus is a surprisingly good game for the 5200 and offers the uniqueness of enemies who enter from both a center vortex and stealthier ones who attack from the sides. All the while, your circular orbit has you dodging satellites and meteors. This is a great game for the Atari 5200, offering good control, sound, good sound, and enough manic gameplay to keep you coming back for more after you're decimated. I have not tried it on the 5200. A while back, I bought a 5200 that was ostensibly in good working order, but has since proved to have problems beyond my current knowledge base to repair so it's still sitting here waiting for that day to happen uh, when i can devote the time needed to learn how to rebuild a 5200 but i'm not there yet all right well after the break buckle up as we take a ride in the spinny tilt world that is this podcast Astronomy with Bill. There you see on your screen planet Earth, our home and native land. If you're listening to this in the relatively near future, who knows if you're listening to this uh, decades from now. Um, many of us are planning to move to Canada, many of us from the U.S., perhaps in the next few months. So I can only imagine yeah. where the possibilities are endless from there. Since uh, the kids are going back to school this fall, I thought I'd do a little astronomy lesson today. We have planet Earth before us. Hey, you can probably see my hands there. Hey, how you doing? So, this is Gyrus, and uh, we're going to play it. And I guess get a music lesson as well. So, bonus. Ooh, the Earth is not an angry red anymore, so I guess that's a good thing. Let's do it. in What's It, uh, lovely music, spinning, spinning, Oops, music's picking up now, come on, give me something to shoot at, there we go, when I started playing around with this game today, I was immediately struck by just how lovely it is, it's just a lovely experience. Um, especially if I was stoned. Alright, you got the, uh, the lovely music, uh, Starfield playing out in front of you. Uh, you're just kind of twirling and spinning. Um, and I wasn't paying attention and got myself killed. Um, but, you know, if you just kind of let your brain go on autopilot, and just kind of... You know, imagine yourself in this lovely you know, scene before you. The blasting the enemy spaceships kind of become secondary. Come on, let me shoot you. Uh, but here's the thing. 
lovely as that music is, I kind of miss the pew pew of lasers and whatnot. Um, and you don't really go anywhere. You just kind of spin in a circle. Oops, guess we're done with that planet. On to the next. I don't remember playing Gyrus in the arcade. I have to imagine that it looked amazing. Uh, it does not look amazing here, frankly, as much as I like the music. And sort of the, the peaceful scene playing out. It doesn't look great. And now I'm dead. Oh, now this is the... Oh, yeah, I was dead. I'm starting over. Um, uh, the game is a little bit, at least the uh, Atari version is a little bit of just a point machine. Uh, you're just kind of spinning around, soaking up points. Uh, at this point I'm just playing because I just, like I said, I, I like looking at it. I like you know, sort of letting my brain sort of get sucked in. You know? Like, if, I have to imagine this would be amazing if you were high. Uh, I am not. Uh, I've had some coffee today, that's about it. I don't think I've had one of the chance rounds yet, because I haven't been paying enough attention, I keep myself killed. I've been, what, to a couple of planets now. I don't know why you don't do all the planets, or why the planets aren't more differentiated. I think, what, you play the whole game, you see maybe six planets of the then nine, now eight in our solar system. And I'm dead again. There's planet Earth. Back home to our messed up, weird little planet Earth. Alright, back to you in the studio. Hey Atari fans, this is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Card by Card podcast. Join Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review cartridge-based games for the Atari's last answer, the 8-bit gaming system, as well as delve deep into their history. Kieran will also introduce everyone to the UK's budget games. You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's xegs, the number 8, bit.com. Hey, it's me, Bill, your host, the guy you've been listening to this whole episode. Do you enjoy the stories I write and read to you every week on this podcast, but you feel like you just need a break from my voice? I get it. My family does sometimes, too. Here's an option. Some of the stories from the show are now collected in a volume titled Misery Banana, very short stories inspired by old games and odd thoughts. You can order it wherever you like to order books. I hope you'll check it out. Thanks. Um, before I forget, a note about the field report. After I recorded the field report, I noticed that the videography is worse than usual, probably because I did it myself. My cameraman wasn't here this week to do that. The thing is, the tripod for the camera slid a little bit, so at some point, you can still see the screen, but it is at a weird angle, so apologies for that. I hope you enjoy the field report anyway, uh, if you're a, a Patreon subscriber and you're looking at the video of the field report. Alright, so, here's the thing about Gyrus. I've already kind of said it. I thought it was kind of boring. If I just want to zone out and pretend that I'm stoned, and just kind of be enveloped in this, you know, starry field, you know, the, the vastness of space, and, you know, sort of 
trippy music and stuff. I'm all on board for that. But as a game, it's really boring. Uh, maybe because I was playing on the flashback and I did not see or did not pay attention to how to increase the difficulty level. So as a result, it's really simple. Now, I got killed a lot and quickly in the field report, but that's more because of the, the ongoing struggle between playing a video game and talking to you people while I do it. So even with that, the game is a bit of a score machine, at least at the easy level. So that was disappointing. I would like to sometime play Jairus on an arcade cabinet and see what that's like because I don't remember ever doing that. I think that might be cool. And maybe like the 5200 version or something would be cool once I get my 5200 up and running someday. But for right now, uh, I was just, I was overall, I was a little disappointed. As always, if you guys have thoughts about Jairus or anything else, reach out to me in one of the various ways that you can do that. It's story time on Atari Bites. Yes, it's story, 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 story time with Bill. This week's story is titled Topper Can't Spin. When the toy box lid was closed, as it usually was, Topper was never able to was never able to see outside. He wondered sometimes what went on out there. He heard things, of course. Kids playing, dogs barking, the occasional nondescript scream. Some of it was scary and made him happy to be in his isolated little toy universe, but most of the time, he wished he could be free. And sometimes he was. When the toy box lid was left open and the light from the big bay window shone down, it felt good. Even better was when Topper got to come out and do his thing. Spinning, twirling, gliding down the sidewalk sometimes spinning until the tree-filled vista with mighty branches stretched so high above him toward the sky became a whirling blur of leaves on sparkling twigs, then faded into nothing as the child's toy came to rest. Topper lay on the ground then, unconscious, for hours afterwards. When he awoke, the world had changed. The gyroscopic effect, the certainty of direction that ruled Topper's existence, was gone. I feel the earth move under my feet. I feel the sky tumbling down. I feel my heart start to trembling whenever you're around. Carol King wasn't a top, but she got it. Bartleby Bear lumbered down the sidewalk toward Topper. Although the favorite toy between Christmas Day and December 27, Bartleby's battery-powered voice box was crackling and lost its mellifluous tone. His movable joints worked, though, well enough. He thought Donna, the toy's person, still liked him best. Stupid bear. Topper, Bartleby Bear grunted. What are you doing? Topper tried to shove himself into a crabgrass-filled crack in the sidewalk. Spinning, he whispered. Just spinning. Too bad, Bartleby barked and kicked Topper into a small cluster of rabbit poops in the grass. Topper tried to shrug off the slight. Things happen, don't they? His buddy Bouncy Ball always said, You gotta roll with things. So Topper should too. It would be hard. He was a top whose natural inclination was to sit upright, after all, but he would try. Later, as Topper vibrated lemonade glasses while spinning on the picnic table, Stuntman Stu Stunt Cycle did a wheelie between the pitcher and the citronella candle before Stu sailed over the edge of the table, toppling Topper with him. The starry night scene painted on Topper's upper half came to a stop. Dang it, Topper moaned. My stars! 
What did he do to deserve this? Topper wondered. Nothing, of course. The answer was nothing. Yet here he was. Topper spent the next three days in the dark toy box. While he was in there, he overheard Donna talking to her mom. Donna always wore orange from head to toe and got bored easy, so conversations never lasted very long. Her mom said, Bunny. Her her mom often called Donna Bunny, maybe because she couldn't remember Donna's real name. Topper wasn't sure. Bunny, you need to pick up your toys. Leaving them all over the floor is dangerous. They could get broken. People could trip on them. You really think so? Donna said, clearly distracted. I'm not sure. She wandered away. The toys didn't get picked up. The next day, Topper was out amongst the flowers and patio furniture on the patio. Spinning, spinning. It was glorious. The painted stars were a swoosh of yellow and silver as they should be. Topper was certain with a little extra propulsion, he could become airborne. And then, Topper nicked the edge of a toy drum and, startled, careened into a minefield of building blocks. He stuttered and skipped over the wooden blocks. The lower half of his vertical axis snapped clean off and he came to a rest in the grass near the sprinkler. The water was cold and relentless and only barely masked Topper's tears. Donna watched this play out from the other end of the patio, considered it for a moment, then, unconcerned, she hopscotched over the scatter of toys before her back into the house. Topper never spun again. Eventually, long after the stars had faded as the sun bleached Topper's paint, Donna's grumpy dad would deposit him in the trash. The moral of the story, kids? Pay attention to warnings. And pick up your damn toys. Hi, this is 8-Bit Rocket, Jeff Fulton, from the Into the Vertical Blank Generation Atari podcast. And you are listening to the incomparable William Pepper and his wonderful stories of the game within a game on the Atari Bytes podcast. When you are done here, come visit us in the Vertical Blank. Now, back to Bill. And that's our show. Thanks to Kevin McLeod and Competech.com for Creative Commons use of his songs, Reformat. Take a Chance, in Pinball Spring. Thanks to Sean Courtney for the storytime theme. Spin from podcatcher to podcatcher as you please, but make sure you swivel on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review of this show. Email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page. Follow the show on Twitter at ataribytes, or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. Also, look us up on Instagram. Speaking of Instagram, by the way, there is new art from Henry up on Instagram. Every week we say we're going to put new stuff up, and it is there for your perusal. Uh, Just go through it. If there's anything that tickles your fancy, Henry will happily send you a print of that work for low, low prices, including shipping, which are set out in the Instagram posts. He is also available for commission projects, you know, depending on what it is. Uh, If it's a reasonable request, uh, we are happy to talking about uh, what we can do to make that happen. Just reach out to us by email or any of the other means, and we will set that up. Hey, hey, here's Henry right now. Hi, Henry. Hi. What's up? He's making a special appearance, and he is armed. He has his Nerf pistol. Is that a pistol, Henry? Is that a proper thing to call it? The Nerf rival knockout. Little shout out to Nerf there. If you'd like to sponsor the show, I was just telling people that we've got finally we've got your new art up on Instagram, and of course you're still available for commission projects if they want. So uh, awesome. How's it going? Good. Good.
I'm just about done with the show here, so I'm going to tell the people these last couple things, and then the show's over. All right. He's on his way. What was I talking about? Oh, the Instagram. Also, hey, by the way, you can call us, too. We have a phone number that we're never, ever going to answer, so you don't have to talk to us. You know, that our social distancing extends to the phone. That's how cautious we are. But if you call 563-265-1978, you can leave a voicemail. And it can be about any damn thing you want, pretty much. And we'll probably play it on the show. Have thoughts about video games? Leave a message. Have thoughts about stories and writing and publishing? Leave a message. Have thoughts about um, Cheerios? You know, I don't care. Whatever it is, leave a message. And we'll probably play it on the show and talk about it. Check out the website www.carnivalofgleecreations.com There's all sorts of stuff over there, including, well, information, social media, links to episodes for this show, all that same stuff from my other podcast, the monthly ode to all things related to the Peanuts comic strip. That show is called It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown. You're a Snoopy fan, come on, admit it, and you definitely know 100 people who are Snoopy fans, so you should be listening to that show and telling those 100 friends they should be listening to this show. Uh, to that show and the show too. Uh, the podcast, or excuse me, the website also has information and links to some places you can buy my books, including Misery Banana, very short stories inspired by old games and odd thoughts. And soon, the new short story collection, which I keep saying is going to be coming out uh, at this point, I'm hoping before the end of the year, it'll be out. And of course, I will bore you with information about that later. You can also support the podcast by becoming a subscriber on Patreon, patreon.com. If you do that, you can join the cool kids, Michael Tyler, Jose Cazeta, Sean Courtney, and Aerospike, uh, and help out uh, you know, the production of this show. Thank you in advance for doing that. Just look up Atari Bytes on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. All right, next time on Atari Bytes. Oh, man. I've been wanting to do this for a long time, but I, I keep forgetting it, frankly. And then the other day, I thought of it again and decided, all right, I'm just going to put it on the list right now. We're playing Planet of the Apes. Oh, yeah. The original Planet of the Apes, not the remake. The original one with Charlton Heston from the 1960s. I've forgotten the exact year, but whenever it came out, that is among my favorite movies. I've never played the Atari game. It might be garbage. I don't know. But I'm excited to do it because I like the movie so much. So we'll talk more about that next week, and I'm excited about that. If you have thoughts about Planet of the Apes, let me know. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you. Oh, 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 oh,